good at hanging out together. But lately, that hasn't seemed good enough for me. Okay, so how come every time we get close with a guy friend, we have to preface it with some sort of disclaimer? As guys, does it seem like we're asking for permission to go deeper in our friendships because we've been given rules or parameters? Really, we're just looking for more than hanging out. We're looking for connection. This podcast is going to share stories of guys making attempts to move toward that connection. As awkward as that can be sometimes. They're, they're age-appropriate cool. Yes. New balance shoes. There's no such thing yeah. as age-appropriate cool. That is basically saying not cool. I don't think it is. You can't be trying to be too cool. No, 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 no. It's it's this. It's the self-aware cool person. Yeah, okay. It's like, that's okay, I, I understand that I'm 30. Yes, that's what I mean. So or it's 31. like... So I'm not trying. Be, I'm not trying to be twenty. I'm I'm accepting I'm thirty, I'm, but I'm not going to sell out and give up. I'm not going to quit. You're 30. I'm, I'm yeah, not, I don't. What you're sell. hearing in the background is one of those nights. You know the ones. You get together with a group of your friends. The conversation is flowing. You go from laughing to arguing to feats of strength to getting really deep at times. Then the next thing you know, it's four a.m. I love these kind of nights. They're the kind of nights that you never want to end. This will be one of my last nights for a while, hanging out with these guys. And I'm going to miss them. Try. I can't imagine myself as an old man, though, either. Can you imagine yourself yeah. as an old man? Yeah. I can, can you? see you as an old man. Can you can see breathe. yourself as an old man? No. Yeah. Why do you, can you see me as an old man? I just, can I just look at Why can you see yourself as an old man? I, like, it's not a visual thing, it's a conceptual thing. My name's Nathan, and I'm one of the producers of this podcast. And this first episode is going to revolve around my relationship with these guys, what I've learned about myself, what it means to be a friend, why I'm going to miss these times with them, and how I'm going to cope moving to a new city where I know no one. This is my attempt to go deeper. So what do we have left? So we need to like break down these two chairs. So the Allen key is like on the dining or the kitchen counter. Okay. And we need to... What you're hearing right now is my wife Tiffany and I as we pack our house to move from one side of the country to the other. And I'm going to do my computer. You have to do your computer. Um, I want to bring in that other computer monitor from the garage. Okay. Uh, and then I kind of just want to like... All these little knickknack things. Besides recognizing that my only response to my wife is the letter K, it was around this time that it really started to hit me that we were leaving. The decision to move happened very fast, but it was exciting and it felt like an adventure. We didn't know anyone on the West Coast, but we figured we'd meet people as we went along. That's what you do, right? I want to pull them out because those are the things that they're going to pack for us. So I want to like pull them out because they're probably going to want to do that first, you know? Okay. Sure, this was exciting, but it got me thinking about what we'd be leaving behind. Over the past couple of years, something had happened. I began making deeper friendships with people. There were more of those late-night deep conversations happening. I was being involved in their lives, helping them get through struggles, 
and them helping me get through mine. Rather than staying at home and watching Netflix every night, I actually looked forward to going out and hanging out with these guys. It had been a while since that had happened. So why would I say yes to moving when I had all of this to give up? Was I giving up on these friendships? How would they feel about me moving? Would we continue to stay as close as friends? Is that even possible? All of these thoughts started flying through my head, so much so that I didn't even want to tell them I was moving. Like, the difference between you and I, that's why you would call me stressed, is because you, give you, like, the, you, like, you like the free wheel, I, and I like the free wheel. I like to know what I'm going into and have a plan. And if you don't have that, it's stressful. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that's sensible, not stressful. No one's, no one's saying stress is a bad term. Well, uh, I think they are. So this is my friend Kevin. Yeah, that's this is, if they, this play, this, the if they play this podcast in Ireland, they say, "Why are the four guys speaking through their noses?" Yeah, just nasal whiners. <laughs> you know what? Because we're stressed right now. Yeah, because we're stressed. <laughs> that's me lashing out. Kevin would be one of those newer friends that I've been very close with over the past couple of years. We've worked together on film projects, so we've literally been stuck in cars together, talking about everything from sports to philosophy. We've begun to understand what gets under each other's skin and how to exploit that very thing. Kevin was someone I had a hard time telling that I was moving, probably because we were working so well together, and I thought by telling him, that would all just come to an end. I told my friend Nathan C that I was moving when he came to my house one day. He promptly told Kevin on Gchat. Did you hear about Nathan and Tiff? Kevin was like, what? Then Nathan was like, oh, shoot. Don't tell him I told you. Just wait for him to tell you. So by this point, I really should have told Kevin what was going on. People were starting to find out, but it was just too hard and it was taking too long. I wasn't even sure how to bring it up. So I didn't. Well, I can't. I can't play pretend. I can only play pretend for so, so long. So we're having these conversations about work. Like we're talking about, a f you know, we're booking film dates for a project next week. We're, we're talking about edits. We're talking about the Leafs. We're talking about the, the Lions. We're, we're talking about everything except what I want to talk about. Which is what the heck is going on in your life right now that is such a big deal that one of our very good mutual friends can't tell me because I have to wait till you want to tell me. So I'm trying to be patient. This is Kevin and I having yeah, a conversation, conversation about me avoiding telling him that I was moving. You know, and I was, and it, it all sounds really stupid now, but at the time, I was really messed up about this. But then like some of the conversations felt a little skiddy. You know, and I was and skittish. Was that, is that, were they? Yeah, they were. They were. Because I was wanting to bring it up. Like, I was wanting to tell you. I don't know. I don't know why, but I was definitely like guarded in those conversations. So, we had this one conversation one day and we hung up the phone. And I just, I was like, nah, nah, this, I can't do this anymore. So, I called you a second time to give you another opportunity. To tell yeah. me what you needed to tell me. <laughs> and you didn't. And, and I didn't. And, and you didn't tell me. <laughs> and so I just thought, forget it. I'm asking. So I called you back and did that really awkward. Nathan, um, 
I know something I shouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I know information that I probably shouldn't know, but I need you to know that I know. And I want you to feel like not under any pressure to talk to me about it, but I need you to know I know because I can't pretend I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Try and work that one out. Yep. So it's just like two really concerned neurotic guys (laughs) sort of snookering each other emotionally, emotionally snookering each other. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Most guys have their guy friends that they care about. Now, maybe your friendships aren't as neurotic as Kevin and mine, but really what I was struggling with was, how do I tell this guy that his friendship meant something to me? How do I tell another guy that I'm going to miss him without coming across as less of a man? What if I told him and then he shut me down? How awkward would that be? Maybe that's why I avoided telling him. But Kevin's a good friend. He didn't stand for my awkwardness. And that meant something to me. Kevin has a way with words, and even though he's Irish and you can't understand a word he's saying, he still has a way of telling a great story. And sometimes it takes a good story to help us understand how as guys we got ourselves into this mess. My first best friend was Clark. He lived next door to me at 8 Cloverhill Walk. We did everything together, exploring building sites, riding our BMXs, trapping cats in coal bunkers, and playing football until our mums called us in. Such was my devotion and affection for Clark, he was the motivation behind my first act of violence towards another person. Clark had really bad eczema, the type where he had to wear special gloves over his hands to prevent him from scratching them. I never really thought much about it, it was just something that was special to Clark. One day at recess, some kid was taunting Clark and I. It was pretty standard playground banter until he said out of nowhere, well, at least I don't have chicken pox skin. I saw the heartbroken look in Clark's eyes. Those words cut him deep. They took the life right out of him. I was instinctively outraged. I ran right through that kid, knocking him to the ground. He, of course, cried, but I didn't care. I needed him to know you can't say things like that to people. You can't say things like that to Clark. You can't hurt the people I love. As best friends go through our childhood, Clark became Neil, Neil became Bill, Bill became Ross, Ross became Michael, and Michael became Neil C. However, somewhere along the road, the terminology best friends stopped being used. Boys over 13 years old don't have best friends. This is a language of 10-year-old girls who make friendship bracelets. Even now, if you have that one friend you spend more time with than anyone else, they're not your best friend. That language is too intimate, too exclusive, too childish. It seemed like as the language disappeared, so did the actual experience of having a best friend. I don't know how it happened, university, moving around, being a grown-up, but it feels like one day I woke up living in a world of acquaintances. I know lots of great guys, I know their sports teams and the names of their kids, but I don't really know them. My wife is my best friend and I love that, but I still feel this pull to have a Clark. I get glimpses of this when I'm in the backyard playing soccer with my brother-in-law and our kids. My brother-in-law and I will slowly edge away from the soccer game with the kids and begin creating our own game with a spare ball. A game that involves points and obstacles and dares and before we know it, two hours have passed and we're lost in a world of our own making. Talking openly and honestly about life in between chipping the soccer ball from my back deck to the next door neighbour's trampling. 
I feel like I'm back in Cloverhill Walk with Clark, only now I'm 34 years old and I have a tax return to fill out. When I'm not too exhausted or overwhelmed with day-to-day -day life, I want these kinds of friendships, or I at least want to want them, to connect, to play, to go deeper, to swing unapologetically from improvised garden games to complete honesty, realizing we're all in this together and not that much different. As talk of this podcast began spreading through our friendship group, we found out there were other guys looking for Clarks all over the place. Guys I'd known for a long time, good acquaintances that were longing to be best friends. If you're like me, when you heard that, something inside you was agreeing and saying, yes, I totally get that. And what we've been finding as we've been putting this podcast together is a lot of guys are feeling this way. This is Jerry. This is what I've been friends with Jerry for seven years now. Like guys don't really know how to express. Like it's not just about male relationships; it's about like male affection, almost. Sure. Yeah. And that's sort of that's a such a like thing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. What you're hearing right now is a random conversation that Jerry recorded between himself and a friend. This is what Jerry does. He's the type of guy that finds out we're doing a podcast about male relationships and immediately starts recording conversations on his iPhone between him and his guy friends. We then listen to them and hear stories like this. One of my friends that I'm quite close with, I never would have seen coming. He went through a separation with his wife who suddenly left out of nowhere with no warning told him she was leaving in three days and had a place lined up and everything and she wasn't coming back. The guy was ruined and for, I'm going to say a good month, would randomly pop by my house and send me a five minute heads up. Come by your house, I hope that's okay. Sure. Come on by. See his truck pull up pop outside, he's already in my garage, has a beer open, waiting for me to get out there and his face is beer red. And he just needs someone, a guy, to talk to. I found out that I wasn't as comfortable as I thought I would be about the situation. So I was honored that he considered me to be close enough friend and trusted enough to come by my house and fall apart in front of me. I'm not sure that the reason I didn't physically embrace him or hug him, I don't know whether that was me holding back because I didn't want to fall apart too, because mm -hmm. I would, had I. Um, or whether I was doing it so that he wouldn't fall apart even more. 
and I would be okay falling apart in front of him. But I, I hate falling apart. <laughs> I hate that. I hate breaking down and crying. That's something I have always done by myself. Mm -hmm. There's something in me that doesn't want to fall apart in front of people. Badly enough that I'll hide to do it. And to say that that's something that's just part of my personality, I don't buy that. I think that that's something that I picked up along the way somewhere, thinking that I had to be strong, maybe, or that it's expected that I'm not allowed to fall apart. I've never had a guy friend that I was that, you could say, intimate with about matters of the heart. did we get here? Sure, it may seem like we're only introspective and deep, but really, after all that deep talk, we still had the innate sense to prove our manhood after being vulnerable with each other. It started with Jerry talking a big game and thinking he was faster than me. This was something I wasn't going to allow to happen. I know you can outrun me distance, you've done that many times. I think I can outrun you short term, no problem. Oh. That's fine. Well, Jerry's bringing a big thing. Nobody's <laughs> swinging up. You guys, water. everyone needs to go to a 100 meter track in the next week and submit your. What? No, no, no. All we need to do is go to my driveway and now. run. And run to the road from my driveway. I'll do it now. I dress shoes. I'll do it now and I'll beat both of you guys. Oh, jeez. So, there we were, all peacocking big time. But then the excuses started coming out. As soon as I realized I had only dress shoes here, I recognized that was a mistake. What, what size are your feet? feet? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a bunch of New Balance he can put on. I know that for uh, I have mid-30s, cool but not too cool I, shoes. For then, for some reason, Kevin stepped in and started flexing his muscle and challenging me. Of course, I accepted. I think we should go out to my driveway and run and race to the street, to the road. You know, I want to get a few months of training, and I've been talking a big game all week. No, 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 no. You, you gotta, you gotta be ready anytime. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, that's fine. We'll at least get a good judge of like how close it'll be. Okay, let's do it. And one thing I will say is this: is I think this will be a clear indication if you want to go a second round. Where's he going? He's going to limber up. He's going. He's going to drain the racehorse. He's going to drain the snake. Actually, I was in the bathroom, trying to figure out how I was going to get out of this situation. So, here we were, 4am, men in our 30s, having to whisper as we snuck by the baby's room on our way outside to compete in a full-on running race. This is what we do. I'm going to, you know what, you know, for the sake of this, I'm going to race in my new balance. Okay. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Oh, Nathan seems to have a lot of apathy right now. He's a little nervous. Kevin's feeling real antsy. He's doing stretches. He's looking down at the ground. Like, he's actually walking to the road like he's a UFC fighter. So, after some fake stretching and sizing each other ready, up, guys. we were ready to go. Four, three, two, one, start! Oh my gosh, they are both running hard! Running hard! I'm going to give it to Kevin! Kevin McLeod, big win. Big win, like... I'm sorry, Nathan, but that was a... Oh, that was a clear, decisive win. That was a clear, decisive win. Firstly, his last name isn't McLeod. And secondly, who starts a race counting down from four? Besides all of that, what came out of my mouth next still shocks me and was a major mistake. I would do that again, though. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, Daniel. Well, no, but I want to do it like when I'm not in jeans and my little... Oh, he wants to do it in different clothes. So, right there on the spot, brimming with confidence, Kevin drops his pants, and we switch clothes, shoes, and hit the start line again. This time, with a respectable three, three count. Two, one, start. Whoa. Oh my goodness, that's a fast start. That is a fast start. This is really a no-brainer. Oh my goodness. Pull it up. What are you, Michael Johnson? <laughs> that was a clear, like, false start. How false could that start have been? Maybe this is what we're longing for, to be talking life, philosophy, and then to be challenging each other like we're nine-year-old boys again. It's nights like this, and those types of friendships, that made me anxious about leaving, and not wanting to tell these guys. But what gives me hope is that at 34 years old, with a little bit of risk and vulnerability, these kind of relationships are still possible, if we can cut through the bullshit and let down our guard. This is the journey we're going down. We're going to explore different guy relationships, share their stories, and help other guys find the Clarks and friendships in their life that they're craving. This episode was brought to you by McFadden Contracting. Use the offer code TMSG the first time you contact McFadden Contracting and get $500 off a renovation of $15,000 or more. Custom homes and renovations in Guelph, Ontario. This episode was produced and edited by Nathan, Kevin, and Jerry. Stay tuned for scenes from our next episode. His hair is like wet, but like combed right down at the front. And he doesn't remember this, but he's wearing a Fido Dido t-shirt. You remember that like 7-Up like spokesperson character? Like that's what he's wearing. <laughs> like probably one of the most important things where I think I felt that we had something that was important for us was when he was leaving Sarnia. And he hadn't really told anybody, but he took me, Phil, and Daryl out to, like, the Outback Steakhouse in London. He drove us all the way up there, and we didn't know what was going on. And that was the first time I had a Bloomin' Onion, and it was delicious. And he told us there that he was leaving to Calgary. 